Welcome to the Conversations with Commerce Next podcast. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc. And this podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Commerce Next and presented by Comex. In this episode, meet Sabrina Cherubini, Senior Vice President of Brand and Digital Hanky Panky. With a storied history of work on both the agency and brand sides of marketing with Leo Burnett, Havas, Sears, and Ann Inc., and now with a unique role with both the brand and performance elements of this heritage retailer, Sabrina takes us through how she is injecting a startup mentality into Hanky Panky to reignite growth and having fun doing it. Welcome to Conversations with Commerce Next, Sabrina. You have been a friend of Commerce Next for a long time. You've spoken at a number of our events and are an active member of our community. I always enjoy hearing your point of view on marketing and digital, and I'm excited to have you join us today. Welcome. Thank you, Veronica, for having me. I'm excited. And specifically, you know, after like holiday planning, uh, being able to pose for a minute and have a great discussion. Yes, that's right. We're recording on Cyber Monday. Um, and I'm joined here by the producer and co-host of Conversations with Commerce Next, Michael LeBlanc. Hi, Sabrina. How are you? Where, where are we finding you in the world today? I'm in New York. I'm in freezing New York, actually. <laughs> well, fantastic. I was, uh, I was in New York myself last week, so um, love the city. I'll be back in January and uh, looking forward to the Commerce Next party on, uh, on the Monday during the NRF show. So looking forward to that. All right, let's let's jump right in. I mean, uh, you know, you've had such an interesting career journey. Um, you started out on the agency side with Leo Burnett, Navas in Paris. So you've got international experience. You moved into the startup world, EKYOG, Women's Startup Lab. Now you large retail brands like Sears and Ann Inc. And, and now you joined Hanky Panky. So those are like about a year ago, which is small, super interesting origin story, uh, not a new brand by any means. Um, talk about... Uh, your background, how did, you, how did you frame this journey, you know, on the agency side, then the client side, and then tell us a little bit about what you're doing for a living today. Michael, Michael, when you list all of these brand and, and experiences, I feel very old. But yeah, 23 years of experience. <laughs> I started right away in global advertising agencies. As you said, I worked for, I was lucky enough to work for Leo Burnett um, with, you know, the best creative directors, but also one of, you know, the most amazing uh, global brands, uh, which was, you know, an amazing experience to start with, you know, when you graduate. So I spent a few years at Leo Burnett, really grew from being a brand, you know, manager to uh, leading global accounts, um, and then uh, moved to Havas. Uh, Havas is a is very strong and very strong in also digital, uh, which was, you know, one of my um, the key aspects that really brought me to have us and being able to not only create amazing commercials and and um, thinking about, you know, Cannes Festival and getting awards, but right, really right. getting a holistic view and, and being, you know, um, partnering with brands and global brands on their, what we call at this time, so it seems like a long mm. time ago, their 360-degree strategy, yeah, yeah. inclusive of digital. Um, what was so, your, yes, what was your I, favorite commercial? I mean, you, you've got a long... A great history in the agency side. Is there anything you worked on that you you particularly uh, you put on your mantle and say this is this was kind of a great achievement for you and the team? It's funny because I'm not thinking about like a big uh, campaign. Uh, I was lucky to work on awarded campaigns, but the one I'm very proud of is actually uh, a brand called Rana uh, that you can you can find in grocery stores now in the U.S. everywhere. It's mm. like fresh pasta. 
Yeah. And they wanted mm. to penetrate the, the European market. They come from Italy. They were a very small brand. And we came with a very bold campaign. Mm. It was out-of-home advertising. We just did it in one region in France in partnership with the grocery store. And we had these out-of-home campaigns saying, like, buy Rana, buy our competitor. We will reimburse the competitor. <laughs> We got amazing results. <laughs> we're able to go see, or at wow. least they were able to go yeah. see all the Walmarts and everyone in the world to say, we have this campaign. It drives a lot of traffic. Mm. Uh, if you buy into the product, we'll develop the campaign. And it became like a global campaign within a year. And now they're globally distributed. Oh, fantastic. So I think it was, again, the mix. And you'll see that's my background of yeah. being creative, being you know bold and innovative, but also thinking about performance. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, what everyone is looking for as well. So, yeah, so 10 years in advertising agencies. Um, and then I felt like many people, like, you come with these amazing creative ideas. You're not always able to bring them to life. Sure. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, it's kind of time to go on the other side. Right. And that's when I, also being in agencies, you work a lot on predictive insights and sustainability was top of mind. Uh I met the founder of a brand called Akiog. Uh, this founder was an amazing designer. She wanted to grow this sustainable fashion brand in Europe. Uh, and I came as number two. So I mm. really joined like a more entrepreneurial sure. um, uh, brand uh, with way less money, way less budget. And that's where I really understood the power of being purpose-driven. Hmm. And how you can also get a lot of earned media, a lot of engagement, a lot of advocacy from your customers to grow a brand uh, from scratch, I would say. So uh, it was amazing. We started with a few stores in France and then grew this brand in Asia, uh, in Canada, um, an amazing story online as well. Uh, but something that and like it's more the personal aspect of things. I traveled a lot. I'm mm. a mix, you know, I come from a mixed culture and my husband as well. And we really wanted to mm. um, live the American dream. So we moved right. to San Francisco uh, where I loved, you know, the startup mindset there. Yeah. I worked for, I was an advisor to many companies. I, I helped, you know, some um, female entrepreneurs also uh, when I moved there. Uh, but very quickly, I joined um, big retailers, mm -hmm. uh, big brands, where uh, Sears initially, Sears Apparel, the apparel side in San Francisco, and then An Inc. in New York, um, where I worked. I did marketing and customer strategy for Loft, uh, Antero, and Nguyen, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I would say it was like 10 years of being focused on creative and finding the right customer's insights because mm. it's exactly that, what we call the human truth, the things that can really trigger an emotional connection with customers that you can put in advertising. And then the other side of things is when I moved in San Francisco, I understood that my data analytics skills were not on point. Mm. And I really mm. thought, you know, if I if I'm able to understand the customer from an emotional point of view, but also behavioral point of view, uh, that's what can really uh, lead to amazing marketing strategies. So really work with amazing people from AI experts mm. to um, someone from Google who mentored me a lot um, and learned how to extract mm. data and insights. Insights from the data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Now and now you made your journey to the other side of the uh, the Great American Dream and in, in the Big Apple. So uh, talk about what you do at at Hanky Panky and how you found your way there. Yeah, so I, I joined Hanky Panky for one key reason. Uh, first, we'll talk about it, but it's an amazing heritage brand, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm very respectful of. Uh, but two, I oversee uh, DTC, so everything e-com, uh, as well as stores, because mm-hmm. we just opened our own stores. Yeah, that's in, uh, that's in Soho, right? right? I, I think I, I walked right by it. Now, that's a, a leap. Uh, on the Leap Foundation, right? Is it's that a, have I got a that right? Partnership. We opened one on Bleecker Street that mm-hmm. we are just you know excited to see results every day. Yeah, and we just opened another one ah. uh, last week uh, in Williamsburg, uh, Brooklyn. So very excited about that too. So not only do I lead you know ecom, but also digital marketing, mm-hmm. brand marketing, and creative. And that's why I joined because I've been working for so many brands. Um, and I've been frustrated, uh, as many marketers, uh, not being able to break silos. Like, mm. if you just did marketing and creative, or brand marketing and creative, you go back, you know, the digital marketing team to get yeah. some dollars attributed to brand mm. equity. Or you work in e-com, and e-com doesn't get, you know, the love from the, the yeah. creative team. So, being able to oversee this this mm-hmm. uh, full group um, and to create what I call a lab in marketing, I really yeah. believe there's a new way to be a CMO today, and mm. a CMO has to embrace um, ecom performance, brand equity, as well as you know um, customer engagement. So, very excited about that. So it's been a year now. Oh, it's, it's been a year. And now it hasn't been a year for Hanky Panky. It, it, I think it was uh, 45 years ago, the entrepreneurs, uh, Lydia Orzek mm-hmm. uh, and Gail Epstein founded it, uh, took off in the 80s by inventing this great, comfortable thong. I see that I see that heritage still in your logo, right? Even even the iconography of that is really clearly a, a key part. You got a new CEO, Brenda Berger. Uh, the founders I, I hear are still involved. Um, what's it like to work there? I mean, you know, you went from the softer side of Sears, <laughs> talk about, uh, you know, a, a large to a small niche uh, with a great origin story. Uh, how, do, how do the culture and the origin story, how does that all that play together as you think about, you know, not the past, but more focused on future and growth? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, the culture is so important in this company. You know, usually when you interview people, you talk about the culture for like two minutes, right? But it's, it's very, it's very important there. First, you're, you're, you're right to, re- to remind me, it's two female founders who created a company in 1977. So that's bold. Um, yeah, that's yeah, very early, bold. They're yeah. still here. Like they're still, they still own the company. Uh, they developed the company out of, you know, it was mostly in wholesale. So mm-hmm. we're in all department stores here in the U.S. as well as in 60 countries. Uh, but they developed it with one thing in mind, caring about women. They were they never cared about growing for the sake of growing. Mm-hmm. It was really about caring for women. So they never looked at, you know, um, even competitors or getting a cheaper product. Most of our manufacturing is here in New York, which is, mm. you know, amazing, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. done in a sustainable way uh, because they really care about women, how they move, how they connect emotionally with their lingerie. And that's what made them successful. They've been profitable for 45 years, mm. every single year. 
they grew organically, but they didn't want to grow in a non-sustainable way. And I think their story is so inspiring. At least it inspired me. It inspired our CEO to join also two years ago to say, hey, can we bring this product to more women? Mm. Uh, the product you, you referred to is the most comfortable uh, thong in the world. It's it still, it was copied a million times, never matched. Mm. Um, that's why, you know, you have a jewel. Um, women who did an amazing job at designing and producing a, a, an, an amazing product, but they didn't get um, yet at least the people, the teams to scale it, mm. uh, being still respectful of their heritage, the yeah. legacy that they developed. They're still with me every single day, not in the daily affairs, but <laughs> they're making sure that yeah. I'm, I'm uh, respectful and I celebrate their heritage, which I do. It's very top of mind for me. But I think there are ways to grow this brand in, and scale this brand. So as I said to Veronica, it's like joining a heritage U.S. brand, but bringing a startup mindset to it. Interesting. A highly customer-focused approach, uh, not to the way they design, but the way we do our marketing, the way we reach our customers, the way we listen and interact with our customers. That's why I needed to get you know my hands on um, not only marketing, but also e-com and getting these mm. channels um, to be able to develop a, a holistic uh, approach to the way we bring these products to life. So the culture is, to what I said, very respectful of the heritage, highly focused on women and caring for women uh, on everything we do and sustainability is at the top of what we do. Uh, our cotton comes, it's the Supima cotton. It's grown in California. Our warehouse and our, our sewers are here in New York. Our lighthouse is in New Jersey. So um, it's really having some control over how to make mm. an amazing product, something you cannot do overseas. So um, very purpose-driven. Uh, and I think that's why when everyone was, you know, struggling to hire talents, I'm not. People are mm. looking for purpose and mm. i am too so being aligned on values like this was you know central in my choice and i think my my team um growing and and making the choice to join this journey if you're enjoying this podcast please be sure and hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss another great episode we'll be right back with our interview with sabrina cherubini senior vice president brand and digital marketing hanky panky right after this message after two years of unprecedented growth, some think e-commerce has hit its peak. So what comes next? As businesses look to enter the next era of e-commerce growth, Comex serves as a guide to get them there. Led by best-in-class technology providers across the commerce ecosystem, including Bloomreach, Miracle, Cinch, ShipBob, and Avalara, Comex offers exclusive research, benchmarking, data, and more, empowering businesses to deliver a commerce experience that drives measurable revenue growth. Learn more at commerceexperience.com. That's commerceexperience.com. It sounds like such a great company, such um, amazing energy, but also just like the hair, being so present to the heritage, having the founders is a very special opportunity. Um, one thing you mentioned was that you now have two stores. Congratulations on that. That's pretty amazing. And I understand that you plan to expand your U.S. retail footprint with 
10 more stores or is it nine more stores by 2025? Talk about Hanky Panky's retail strategy and how does it fit with your overall growth plans for the brand? I think it's, it started initially by, you know, we, we grew out of wholesale, right? We were still growing with our key partners, with Nordstrom, with Bloomingdale's, with Macy, every, with everyone. But at the same time, you don't have control over how the brand is showing up. You don't have control over the experience, even if they're doing an amazing job. But it was really the moment for us to really show up as a brand, to really engage with our customers. When we say we care about women, you know, the stories, there's nothing more intimate than intimates, right? So it's not just about pushing products. It's understanding what women go through. Post-pregnancy, menopause, young women, they go through a lot of things and they need education. Sometimes they need some advices. And 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 the brand they can trust, like 45 years around. So uh, it was really a time for us to connect directly with customers. So um, myself joining is because of my DTC background um, uh, and they want to expand there. But also having stores, you can feel the products. You can feel the softness of the lace. You can feel the comfort. You can have this direct interaction. And we're using our stores not just as, you know, um, a channel. We're hosting events. We have experts coming and speakers um, to engage in discussions. And something that we're very um, uh, passionate about is um, breaking all these taboos. Uh, Only 29% of women feel represented in advertising. We grew it by a few points these past few years because we're more diverse in body shapes, in skin colors, but it's only 29% of women. So there's something wrong, right? So if you don't start with the most intimate products to say, hey, let's break these taboos. Let's have a non-judgmental moment. So that's what our stores are for. Uh, So it's very important that we have the right people in our stores, that we create this um, feeling. We created these stores with this idea of um, uh, reproducing your closet. Uh, with this intimacy, so you you really feel in a in a safe environment to be able to talk about whatever your C section or your body change, and you don't feel like you you were before. Or everything that we all go through uh, that are deemed taboo or uh, have a lot of strong societal norms to it. That's what we intend on breaking. And um, it's been exciting. Uh, our performances are way above our initial expectations. So, yes, we're continuing this journey. Uh, I think next we're, we're looking at other big cities in the U.S. So they're excited about that. That's so great. So it sounds like the stores are a combination of like your expression of the brand, but also like a hub for the community to be able to really share their experiences and just feel like there's a place for them to go and and be able to kind of feel at home, which is powerful kind of creating that that type of hub. And we're Um, so lucky to have such a strong fan base. I've never seen that. Like it's, it's not a customer base. It's a fan base. Um, Veronica, I go to your events. Every time you put this badge on me with Hanky Panky, I have, I would say, 80% of the women coming to me and saying, you guys are game changers, or I love you guys so much. Um, that's not something that I experienced before. And I think, you know, it gets you motivated every day to do even better. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing you mentioned is you talked about kind of sexual wellness and and I want to kind of jump off of that point because you just launched a new sexual wellness e-commerce destination and oh, talk about the launch and how you see the brand expanding to new categories. Because this is a category expansion for Hanky Panky, right? It, It is absolutely. And so that's a perfect example to show you how being able to work with like an an amazing e-com team, brand marketing team, performance team, and creative team can bring some magic to life. So w- when I started, I noticed that we had such a really nice increase in sales on everything around, you know, what we can call like a more sexy lingerie, uh, body suits and, and lace panties. And I asked my team, it's just what's going on there. So we really started to look at, you know, the data on our e-com and we saw that it was really driven by a younger generation uh, and Gen Z specifically. Um, and we started to dig into that. And my uh, performance team started to say, listen, let's put, you know, some ads out there and see if we can boost it a little bit more. Uh, my creative director said, let me do like a quick photo shoot because it was not shown the way we thought was appropriate to our brand. So it's a very modern, um, sensual photo shoot when it's really more about um, how you feel when you wear uh, some sexy lingerie than what you project to someone else. Uh, and we started to test, you know, with a, with some um, uh, ads out there. And we saw, like, we saw a triple-digit increase in sales immediately. So, wow. Um, my role also impacts design and merch. Uh, so what we said, just let's really create a destination to engage with these uh, women, to give them more opportunities to uh, foster a better relationship with their bodies, but also be educated and, and, and really focus on the female gaze. We started to do also a quick uh, survey and a quick survey. It was 4,000 U.S. women and specifically wow. uh, Gen Z. They're leading a revolution around sexual wellness that I've never seen before. Uh, they want to be better represented. They don't want to talk about their sexuality uh, based on having a potential partner. It's really about understanding myself. They've been, you know, they grew out of being on social they don't know what how to present themselves in the real world. So it's really about themselves, their positive pleasure, um, and, and having a brand they can trust to guide them uh, in this journey. So we created NO on our website. It's a separate, you know, experience because something else we learned is older generations are not ready to have this discussion, not, not all of them. So it's really a specific experience. We launched with influencers. We had an amazing PR event. Uh, and we have great partners like Dame, Lilo, Apotec. Uh, uh, and again, this is still a test. If it's growing, if it, if it shows, you know, even more potential, then we're investing in developing more products. So Marketing and e-com is not just here to sell products. It's here to inform the company on where they should invest for the future. So we have a lot of tests like this uh, where, you know, we invest a little bit, uh, but we know when, when, you know, it pays off and how to invest in the future. So very excited about that one. Yeah, that's so cool. And I love how it kind of sprung out of insights, like a, a survey, your customers kind of 
gave you some feedback about how they look at their own kind of sexual wellness. And then just out of that, you, you had all this opportunity and then you're testing, you know, how do, how do I respond to that? What's our role in this, in this customer need? But it goes back Um, to having like 10 years in like emotional insights, like customers insights, you know, uh, word. And then, 10 years in like full on on like customer data and, and predictive analytics and being able to always um, balance both and being able to work with a talented creative team so they can express it, uh, but also with a performance team who will make sure that it drives, you know, uh, top line sales um, has been magic so far. Uh, we're seeing, you know, strong growth uh, at the brand level. Well, you seem to join Hanky Panky at an exciting time. What else is on the horizon for you? Oh my God, so many, so many different tests. I think there's uh, something that gets me very excited. Uh, we have this product, the one you mentioned before, that has been around for uh, some time now, uh, but it has been a game changer for so many women. Uh, my main goal for the future is really um, to reclaim this one, to reclaim that, mm-hmm. you know, you can you can produce, you can design a product. You don't have to bring newness every single week. If this product is right on point, has been appreciated, is a five-star product, how do you really take it as an original product and revisit it in different ways? So um, that's one thing that I'm passionate about is getting – uh, this product in more women's hands because it's been a game changer, uh, but also creates strong partnerships. I think uh, at this point, we're uh, working with uh, um, future, uh, at least we're working on future collaborations, uh, one coming at the end of the year with a high-end designer mm. who shares the same values. We're working with uh, some celebrities also who have been, you know, hanky-panky fans for so long. <laughs> We're lucky to have that. Uh, but also with some brands who share that share really the, the same values, the same intent, the same genuine intent on, you know, uplifting women emotionally and physically. Uh, it doesn't have to be laundry. I think we, there are amazing brands out there that could be potential partners for our growth. I would say last, it's really our global expansion. Um, we're in several countries. We're very strong in Japan. We're uh, growing double digit there in Europe as well. But there is no limit, I think, to um, the expansion of the brand. So these are, I would say, the three main focuses <laughs> <Yeah>. for me. <laughs> I thought I thought when, I, when Veronica and I came up with these questions, I thought it was an odd question in one way because there's already so much going on. It's like, what's next? Everything. There's so much going on, but it's a really great articulation of even in all the things you're doing, opening stores and growing and new categories. So interesting. Let's uh, shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about the tradecraft of your role. As you said, you know, it straddles between digital and brand. So in the same room in your meetings or online or wherever, you've got both performance marketers and storytellers, right? And you need to kind of think in that left and right brain as well. So I think the audience would be really interested to hear about, you know, how do you, how do you, um, master both uh, in such a way that these work together, you know, one plus one equals three kind of thing, because that's really the objective of what I think you've set out to do. And, and how do you intentionally seek to get to get good at both? You've talked about, uh, you know, purposefully getting better at, uh, at digital analytics over the course of your career. Talk about how you bring those together 
again, to make one plus one equals three and, and the tradecraft behind that? I think that's a great question because I'm still figuring that out, <laughs> uh, to be honest. But um, I would say it goes back to the customers always. Um, I I was, you know, I'm lucky enough to grow my team. I have amazing leaders reporting to me um, who share the same vision, uh, who were at least open-minded hmm. to say, yes, I've been doing this job, like let's take a head of e-com, right? They've been doing their job in a way for so long um, to embrace a new approach to it, uh, to still keep, you know, what I learned before, but really embrace um, the power of a strong creative, mm-hmm. uh, embrace the power of a great story, embrace the power. And I can tell you, I have examples of um, we launched Bridal, for example, and we said we won't just uh, invest on performance on Bridal. We will start advertising to her when she starts her journey. And, mm-hmm. you know, a woman who gets married they start way ahead, like right. a year before. Yeah, they start yeah. creating boards on Pinterest. And my head of e-com was like, Sabrina, why are we spending money on Pinterest? Like it's driving so much traffic, but they're not converting. Hmm. Not yet. Yet. Right. right. Yeah. So you cover your customer journey before you hmm. even have your product to sell, if I may say, uh, because that's how you convert. Bridal has been up 300 digits. just because we really understood how this customer um, behaves. So I would say it's not about forcing anything. It's maybe running a few tests at the beginning to show the power of us working together. So I have a head of e-com, head of digital marketing, head of brand and head of creative and have this leadership team working hands on hands and understanding that you know, uh, the power of the story or the visual in Mm. performance marketing is huge. Um, But it goes back to the customer at the beginning. What do we know? What do we want to see? What are the signals we're seeing? And, and each of them, they see signals and we, we talk about them. Then we, um, there are is a you know the surveys thing. Yes, then we survey them. We mm. ask questions. We try to dig a little bit deeper, and, and then create the experience that will really um, mm. tie everything together. Um, like that, like that just, short, medium, and long term objectives that you described in bridal, right? In other words, the yeah. you know the journey starts a long ways away, and you're not going to get a lot of performance out of those vehicles or those I, media, I right? Not. And I, I do it on purpose because I, I know, at least I assume it will pay off at some point. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm lucky enough to work on a brand that is like selling at more than 90% full price. Right. So yes, imagine these past few, yeah. let's take these last two months. Yes, we're also dealing with inventory, right? We're not, you know, oh, we're in the, we live in the same world. Hmm. Will I go and promote and put deals out there every day and impact my brand equity and uh, my my brand as a whole? No, uh, because you have to think long term. You have to right. ride this wave and make sure that you get out of it stronger. Yeah. And that's the, the benefit of a private company. You've got that kind of you exactly. Know, you can do take that. a breath. But and, it's again yeah. being aligned with the founders, with the CEO and right. doing that and being all on the same page because it's not yeah. just my call. Uh, you've had an impressive career on both sides of the table uh, and around other corners of the table. So talk about, um, you know, what, what, what one or two are the kind of key lessons you made if you, if you made any missteps and retraced your steps at any point and, and really basically advice for the folks listening who might want to 
go down a similar journey. Maybe they're maybe they're on the agency side today listening, or maybe they're on the other side of the table. Talk about uh, what, what you'd share with the listeners. Uh, I would take two examples that are totally different. Um, the first one was um, at some point in my career, I was um, not embracing an opportunity that was give, given to me. Um, I, I started when I moved to San Francisco from Paris, uh, I started to work for Kmart and Sears uh, apparel business unit. Uh, they brought a new president, a new leader. He created a new leadership team. And we turned around this business within one year and a half uh, from being down $100 million in EBITDA to being positive $200 million, Wow. which is amazing, right? And then... Sears Holding asked me to uh, join their um, CRM team. I came from brand marketing and creative. And the day they asked me to do mm. that, I'm just, I had no choice. That was, you know, uh, based on these successes, they wanted to bring that. And But then after, that's exactly when, after a month, I realized the amount of data I had access to. Uh, Sears had more than 100 million contacts in their file. Wow. Being able to extract actionable data, and that is really what what it will make a difference. At Ant Inc., it was the same. The CEO said to me, "Sorry, I'm getting a hundred spreadsheets. What is important? What can move our uh, business forward?" And I really started to embrace that one out of not wanting this role, and and it, I learned so much. So mm. I would say, like, one advice would be be open minded. Uh, sometimes it's not because you spend 10 years doing something that you like that you don't have anything to learn. So I really continue doing it that way at Hanky Panky. I'm learning a lot of things now being in the, in the C-suite to, um, you know, how to run a company, uh, how to make, you know, hard decisions, um, and being really hands-on on our, um, finance and, and P&L. So that is something that really I, I'm, I'm lucky I had this opportunity because would I have done it myself? I don't know. So that's one thing. The second thing is leadership. Um, I cannot stress enough uh, how important it is to grow as a leader, as an authentic leader. I make mistakes, of course, in my journey. Um, you know, mistakes like being someone with great potential and thinking that they're all as ambitious as I am, Mm -hmm. but not everyone is the same, right? So really understanding what um, energizes people and what will make a difference for them. And it's not always the way you think and people have different journeys. And um, I think I'm still growing as a leader, but uh, the main mistakes I've made was really, were really on the human side of things and and being authentic to who you are uh because you can you don't have to force anything um uh, and i think you know you leave because of the leader uh that you have in a company or you stay for this leader um and i'm staying for the leaders i have today also uh, so that's to me it's, it will still be my i'll still be in this journey you know for the next i don't know 20 years <laughs> 30 years that's awesome. Um, I think anybody would be lucky to work for, for you and to, and for this amazing kind of entrepreneurial company. And to that effect, I, I always see you posting about new roles at Hanky Panky on LinkedIn. Are there any exciting roles that you're currently looking to fill that maybe our community, um, could have some folks that would be good fits for the, for those opportunities? 
Yes, we, we've been recruiting a lot uh, in 2022. Uh, I think you have a great team in place right now. Uh, I think main roles or main opportunities will come from the CRM and loyalty side um, of my team, uh, where we're like getting our muscles uh, ready to really grow our retention uh, approach. So that's one thing. Brand marketing, social media is always, you know, focus for us. So we just hired for this role um, and excited about that. And on the sales side, I think growing and expanding, you know, internationally, being able to have people who are passionate about growing and expanding brands, um, but not the way they used to do, uh, in a purpose-driven way uh, and, and really um, true to who we are and our culture. Um, I think that's where, you know, where we will spend most of our time in recruiting. That's awesome. That's so great to, to hear. And I love that one of them is a CRM role, so they can have the same opportunity as you had to kind of learn how to get those insights out of the customer file. Well, Sabrina, thank you so much for joining us today and for giving us a peek into both the heritage and the growth story of Hanky Panky, which is just fantastic. Um, we loved your career advice. It was truly wonderful to have you on today's show. Well, thank you both for having me and happy holidays to everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Conversations with Commerce Next. Please follow us on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast platform, where we will be sharing career advice and marketing strategies from e-commerce and digital marketing leaders at retailers and direct-to-consumer brands each and every episode. Commerce Next is a community, event series, and conference for marketers at retail and direct-to-consumer brands. Through our online forums, interviews, webinars, summits, and other in-person events, we harness the collective wisdom of our community to help marketers grow their businesses and advance their careers. Join Commerce Next events to meet other industry leaders and learn the latest e-commerce and marketing strategies. You can find upcoming events at commercenext.com. Have a fantastic week, everyone.